Good morning, Rabbi Yisai. It seems that just last week was Chanukah, celebrating victories, we're on top of the world, and now it's just a week later, we're fasting, we're thinking about Chorban. It's, throughout Jewish history, there's a lot of highs and lows, and it's not surprising because we know as human beings we have our own times of highs and lows. There are times we're strong, there are times we're shvach, and since history is going to follow our spiritual status, it's not surprising that there are highs and lows in Jewish history. But is there any connection between Hanukkah that was just last week and the events that we think about today? So in Slichas it mentions Umelach Yavon in Sonny Lichtov Das Yavonis that the king of Greece or the Greek type of king forced me to translate the Chumash into Greek. Maybe that is related to Hanukkah in the following manner. First of all, to understand that this Greek king is not Antiochus and a completely different empire. When Alexander the Great created the empire of Yavon, he passed away without any children that could take over the Malchus. So the Malchus split four ways, and two of the portions were the headed by the Talmites in Egypt, and then by the Seleucids in Syria. So from about the year 300 BCE to 200 BCE, we were under the Egyptian Greeks, the Talmites, and they were the ones that wanted the Chumash translated for the great library in Alexandria. That was, up until that time, supposed to be the biggest library in the world that they created this city of Alexandria. They named it after Alexander the Great, and that was going to be an intellectual center, and they wanted the Chumash in the Greek translation. After the year 200 BCE, the Seleucids from Syria were able to gain control over Eretz Yisrael, and those are the Antiochuses that 35 years later began the Xeris that resulted in Hanukkah. Now one could ask, what's so terrible about translation? Oscar did a big service for us by translating and it's not the first time things have been translated. The, in about the year 1000, there was a, uh, the original art scroll, the Gemara was translated into Spanish, either by Moshe Shavu's son or Yosef Stenish. There were two competitors for the chief rabbinate of Cordova, and their followers, each one attributed this wonderful translation of the Gemara into Arabic to their side. So you find in history two different possible authors of the translation of the Gemara into Spanish into Arabic Spanish. What was the horrible thing that the uh, Chumash was translating to Greek? I don't know for sure, but closer to our time when Moses Mendelssohn made the German translation of the Chumash, the G'daylem were against it because they said, who is this translation for? Most of Jews didn't know German at that time. And instead of helping German-speaking Jews learn Chumash, it was really helping, spe- helping Hebrew-speaking Jews learn German. And notice the translation was going the other way. If they wanted to teach themselves German, and they, the Chumash they know, they open up this book, and they, teach, and they learn German from that. If that's true, then maybe that's what the tragedy of translating Chumash into Greek was, because now Jews who didn't have that much Kesha with the Greek culture could open up a book that they'd be familiar with the Chumash and learn it in Greek. It's a possibility, and it certainly ties in with the theme of Hanukkah, because Hanukkah we suffered as a result of Jews being too connected to Greek culture. 
So it's possible that the, the events of the eighth day of Teves, when we were forced to write the translation, maybe that was actually an original cause of all the problems of Hanukkah as the Jews become too close to the Greeks. The ninth day, we're told, was Ezra died. If you look in Shulchan Aruch and Yelchus Tanis, it mentions that the ninth day is the Tanis Sadikim, but, but the Mechaber says we don't know why we fast on Tanis Sadikim on that day. And different possibilities are given in going back to Spain again in the time of the Rav Shmuel HaNogid, when he passed away and his son was the Nogid, there were pogroms against the Jews on the ninth day of Teves. And some say that Baruch HaKadosh, the ninth day of Teves, was made as a, uh, as a day of Tanis even before that happened. The most interesting possibility is it's the hidden yurt site of one of the church fathers who actually was a Tana who went underground to make sure that Christianity would become a separate religion and not a sect of Judaism which is more dangerous. You know, when Goyim are Goyim, you know where you stand. When Jews become Goyim, it's a little bit uh, more nebulous, which is also part of the Hanukkah story about the Misyafnim. So there is a manuscript that claims that the Tanoim decided that one of their own should go underground to become the leader of the church, and he did, and he made sure that the church was clearly defined separate from Judaism, and Testavus was his yard site. There's Agon Shochonor from the Baruch Tam that brings down this, uh, this possibility. And then we come to the main event, which is Asar Betavis. After all, we're not fasting on the 8th, the day when we did the translation, we're not fasting on the 9th, where it was Ezra's yard site, or these other possibilities. It's the 10th, which was the siege that was put around the Sirius Shalayim. You realize that out of the six fasts we have during the year, Siam Kippur, of course, is a Doraisa. That leaves five rabbinic fasts. Tanis Esther has nothing to do with the Beis HaMikdash. But we have four Tanesim sent to the round of destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. The city is put into siege, Asar Betavis. The walls are broken through, the walls of Yerushalayim, and that'll be in Tammuz. And then the Beis HaMikdash is burnt, that's Tishabav. And then even after the Beis HaMikdash, we still had a settlement in Eretz Yisrael after Chum Bayis Rishain. And that existed under Gedalia. When Gedalia was assassinated, that was the end of the Yishuv Eretz Yisrael. As the Rambam says that the Gachelas, the coal, so to speak, that had a little fire in it was put out with the, with the assassination of Gedalia. So we have four fears to remember the Chorban Abayas, and basically, chronologically, Asar Betavis is the first. That was like the first step towards the Chorban Abayas. And you can imagine what the shock it must have been to the people, because you know, we, in 2023, have a long history of the ups and downs, but the Jews had lived successfully in Eretz Yisrael for almost 850 years, and all of a sudden, this is the first national destruction. And it must have been a big shock. And we know it is because we know from the Nevi'im that some people, some Jews tiny, Hashem gave us a divorce. We're no longer obligated to Sinai anymore after the Chorban Abayis. People are in shock, just like people are in shock after the Holocaust. So this is the first event that is the, the national destruction of Klai Yisrael that we remember on Asar Beteves and we have to ourselves act in such a way that Yitz Hashem, there should be rebuilding the base of Migdash. We know all the Tsarists in the world are today. 
So we remember the past, we remember all the destruction, and we hope that we should ourselves get to a higher level, that we should bring about a rebuilding the third base, through our Torah, through our mitzvahs, through our chesed.